Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Women in Work is grateful to partner with Elevate as the exclusive sponsor of this podcast and the entire fall podcast season. Elevate equips and empowers families around the world by helping them create sustainable work through small businesses. Their leather products are beautiful and well-crafted. Please see the impact they are having in their products on their website at elevatepeople.com. And when you make a purchase, be sure to tag Women in Work and Elevate at elevate.people on Instagram and elevate.ppl on Facebook. Thank you, Elevate. Welcome, everybody. We're so excited uh, to be doing this particular interview. We have with us Ruth Jo Simons. She is an entrepreneur, an artist, a speaker, a author, writer, author, author, (laughs) and she's a wife and a mom. Ruth, we're so excited to have you. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. That's right. And so, Ruth, we're so glad you're here. You have written several books, including Grace Lace, Beholding and Becoming, and Foundations. You also have um, a brand new book um, set to, when is it set to release, Ruth? October 12th. October 12th. It's called When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace. And I got to tell you, when I was reading about this book, I thought, oh my goodness, this is a book for women in work. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about it? It's, you know, I feel like it's a cornerstone book of my ministry. It's the book that I probably could have written first, but because Mm. I was serving my audience with devotional work, I'm an artist. I've been for years pairing short works about, you know, short words about the Lord with artistic creations, paintings, watercolors. And so all my books previous to this one have been largely devotional, meditational in nature. And they've really Mm. been outworkings of this very message that's coming now in when striving cease. So when striving cease is a trade, it's um, 15 chapters and it's just more text driven. It's not art driven, but it's really my story of um, being an Asian American immigrant coming to understand faith when my, the culture I came from and the culture I was growing up in both so highly valued performance and approval Mm. chasing and the idea of um, almost just earning your worth. And so, um, as you know, the, the, the core of the gospel message is that we are saved by grace, not our works. And so it very much is a message that, um, helps women recognize once for once and for all that self-help and self-improvement in alone just is, holds no value that we can lay our strivings down and, um, receive grace instead. Oh my Sounds goodness. Great. This is going to be so excited. To, I, mean, I cannot wait to read this book. I'm very, very excited and to get this in my hands and into the hands of other women. Okay. But before we dive in, we always start our podcast with three, what we call rapid fire questions, where we really get to know the people who have joined us. Um, just some silly things, but are you ready? Okay. Do it. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is Ruth, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I idolized that cartoon character, Jem, and I thought I was for sure going to be a rock star. That's what I, I really yes. thought I was going to be a punk rocker. I love Jem. She would transform. Hologram. Wouldn't she yes. transform Jem yes. and... Jem and the holograms. Was, yes. I mean, I, I loved her. I loved her. That was it. I love everything about that. That's awesome. All right, Ruth, what was your first job? You know, my first real job was... Um, I worked as um, an assistant manager for a Maurice's store. A Maurice's oh, is like, yeah. you know, a department store. So okay. when you see that I'm in in retail now, like I've got I've got some shops in retail. <laughs> full you know? Yes, yeah. full circle. That's awesome. Okay, and the last question is, what kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? 
Wow. You know, I picture myself at 80 discipling women just mm. at, um, that's, that's what I really want to be doing. I want to be still active in the local church. And I really just hope that I'm still in the game and still discipling women and having people over to my house for, for tea and coffee. And I love stuff. it. I love it. Great. That's beautiful. Um, so you mentioned that you, um, you, your family were immigrants to the United States. Were you born here? In the, I guess you weren't born here if you were an immigrant. Where were you born and how old were you uh, when you came? And just fill us in on that background. We're so curious to hear about yeah. that. I'll try not to give the full you know, life story because you can read a little bit more about it in the book. But mm-hmm. um, I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, my parents, they were born in Taiwan after their parents were escaping communism in 49. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of our family, there's, we were really escaping China and um, found refuge in Taiwan. And so uh, two generations born there. And okay. um, I immigrated to the United States when I was three, almost four. My grandparents on my dad's side were already here. And um, so there were, were all these dreams about going to school and starting the American dream life. And, you know, long story short, it didn't come to fruition quite like that between um, heartaches in family relationships. Mm. You know, we're talking, you know, sinful patterns and things that you don't expect between just hardships and relationships. Um, Those things never came to quite to fruition, but in the sovereignty of God, we certainly did have a purpose in coming because ultimately we truly, as a family, um, met Christ, walked with the Lord and um, began a new life, both in, um, we started off in the East Coast near Maryland and because of some family ties, ended up in New Mexico. Uh, and it just seems crazy that we ended up in New Mexico, but <laughs> yeah. you know, the Lord had me there for so many years. And um And so I fell in love with the desert. I fell in love Mm. with, um, you know, because New Mexico was not flush with with Asian Americans, I got to grow up in a community where I actually knew the Asian Americans in that town. And, Mm. you know, back then that was a really special and rare thing in the Southwest. And so, um, yeah, that that's a long story, but ultimately, you know, I think the context of growing as an growing up as an Asian American, um, girl in Western culture was one where I really compared and contrasted, um, you know, even though culture, we all have our cultural backgrounds and our family histories, but it was one that really um, was poignantly showing me how much there is a performance and approval and acting out of needing to earn worth, whether through education or through right behavior. Um, and so once, once I really heard the gospel message, it was actually really startling and hard to understand mm-hmm. when I had been really raised in a surrounding culture that said um, straight A's and being a really great daughter and making the right choices, that's where it's at. And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the, the book that I'm, I've written and releasing in October really uncovers that journey and how the grace of God actually changes everything, including my life. You know, tell the right. story of that. It's interesting how our own culture, our own families, our own communities can sometimes be our greatest gift and our greatest nemesis at the same time, right? Sure. It's beautiful. Well, and it really plays into your the the name Grace Laced, uh, your Absolutely. your shop. It yeah. really seems to flow directly with maybe how the Lord was leading you to even name your shop. Well, I think that's exactly you know it's interesting because this book really feels like the cornerstone book, the book that should have come first. But I'm really grateful that the Lord did set the timing up this way because what I've been really focusing on in the last several years and my other books has been to minister to the hearts of readers and women in intimate places as they seek the Lord in a devotional nature. But now I'm going back and saying, here's why grace changed everything and why grace is not just some fun, sweet, fluffy word we see on mugs, but that it really is the means by which we come fully welcome and not trying to earn our way into Mm. the presence of God. And that actually should and will change everything in a self-help, self-improvement, self-actualization age that we live in, right? Yes. Amen. Beautiful. Ruth, Grace Laced is a, a platform for you to share your artwork and one of the things that I love is that, I mean, 
it is so beautiful. And I think I, I appreciate the fact that it does, you're, you don't shy away from pieces being feminine, but then you don't shy away from pieces being theological and you don't shy away from seeing those things come together in a way that's actually really very beautiful and not demeaning or degrading at all, but really shining light on mm-hmm. biblical femininity. So it's beautiful. My question for you is, when did you know you were an artist? When did you realize, I see this and I can make this be on paper? You know, I, I feel like my mom told me that I started drawing when I was four or five. I've mm-hmm. always been artistic. And then in the years when I was a mom with a bunch of littles, no, I wasn't sitting around luxuriously painting and <laughs> starting a business. I was doing well just to get dinner on the table and getting the laundry folded. And so sometimes that creativity came out once a year in a certain project or the way I hung my drapes or the way I styled my food. And so creativity Mm -hmm. has always been a part of my life, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't until there was a season in which I could see, wow, the fruit of my labors as a mom Mm -hmm. was starting to take shape. And no, I didn't have to, you know, do everything around the house. And there was a new season where I just could sense like, through prayer and just through waiting that the Lord was giving me a green light. And my husband and I were like, this is the right time. Let's, let's tiptoe into this. And you know what, Missy, there was never a plan to be what Grace Laced is right now. Wow, like wow. there was not a plan to be in an international lifestyle brand or a big business or, or a licensed product. None of those things. Like there were mm-hmm. the, the only dream was, to use my giftings in a way where I didn't have to separate the sacred and the secular. Yes, just beautiful. because, just because you paint some, you don't have to paint a Bible verse to be a believer reflecting the image of God. So hear mm-hmm. me say that loud and clear for anyone listening. You can work in the secular workplace. You can start a business and paint landscapes and never paint a single verse. And you can absolutely proclaim the glory of God in your own life through your life and who you are and how you run your business. But I particularly, because of the words I love to write and say, I found such a sweet marriage between writing words that might pierce the heart or cause somebody to think about their walk with the Lord differently, but then to have that come alongside something visual that would Mm -hmm. give them recall and that would cause them to shift their gaze. And then in a physical form, to surround them in their everyday life so that there are reminders of the grace of God and the gospel and the word that's been given to us. So that's where Grace Lace came out of. And that's why, um, you know, I, I, I think it could change. I don't think that it has to be the products that you see right now, but in this season, this is exactly what God's given me to do. And so when you say, I love that you just said, Missy, that, um, I don't, we don't shy away from pieces being theological. I love that you say that because mm-hmm. we have never been stuff people. We've never wanted to just yes. simply create things that match furniture or mm-hmm. simply just to create things to have things. We yes. always have felt that it's, it's content driven. So if we're going to show you a verse, we're going to talk about the passage that comes out of, we're going to share mm-hmm. why I personally, as the founder and author have grown from studying that and thinking about it. And so, um, so yeah, theology matters and what we believe about the word of God actually undergirds everything we create at Grace Laced. That's so great. And so you and your husband have um, worked together a little bit. You guys wrote your book, uh, Foundations, together. And so how long have you been married? That's my first question. And then the second yeah. kind of that goes with it, I heard you share on another podcast that um, marriage, it hasn't been a, a walk in the park. Um, and so I'd love for you to just, we love to get real. We'd love to just get real. I just find it so funny when people ask me things like, do your kids ever fight or do you and Troy ever fight? I just want to say loud and clear, every single believer wrestles with disobedient children and different right. marriages. I don't, there's no one that's having these, there's no perfect marriage. There's no, right. um, you know, perfectly uh, wise mom who will avoid all conflict with her children. So now that we've said that, um, yes. Troy and I have been married. Uh, we just celebrated 23 years. Okay. Congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. Um, and our we have six boys. Um, no, no twins in there. Our oldest wow. is 19 and our youngest is eight. Okay. And um, we can get into it more later, but certainly did not expect that or plan for that, nor did I feel like I was equipped for that. But mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, when 
marriage is already fully challenging when two sinners come into a union that is meant to put one another more more important themselves into one another each other in the gospel. That's already difficult. But then you sure. throw kids in the mix and all that comes with changing diapers and hormones and early marriage. And I mean, early marriage years where you're trying to discover your career and pay a mortgage, throw all that in there. And, um, you know, I, I started that hashtag motherhood is sanctifying and marriage is sanctifying because ultimately it's not that those two things caused me to become godly, but they exposed the areas in which God could transform my life. Because if I wasn't shown how weak, how sinful and how selfish I can be, would I know how deeply I need the grace of God? I probably wouldn't. So those are two areas in my life that I don't feel like I'm nailing it ever, but they are daily reminders that as a mom, as a wife, this is where I say, but by the grace of God, I would ruin everything. So Lord, help me today reflect who you are with my spouse, with my kids. Let me ask forgiveness when I need to and reflect and put the gospel on display in the very interactions I have today with them. So I'm so grateful that you have said what you said about the fact that every married couple argues and fights and every parent has struggles with their children. Like that's just real life. Now our podcast is not obviously a podcast for about being a wife or a mother, but we know that that's a a huge part of womanhood for so many people. But I do feel like every woman can learn from every other woman, no matter what their station is. And I would like to ask you about being a mom, right? I, my personal experience is that I did not grow up in a situation where I was daydreaming about one day I'm going to be a wife, a mom, and then I'd be home with my kids. And I actually had a passion to be something that kids were probably going to get in the way of. How was that for you? Did you dream about being this mom to six boys at home and how you would just focus on that? Or were you the, you know what I'm saying? Help us unpack yeah, that. Yeah. I I like to start every bio that you read. Well, maybe not my book bio, but I always say I'm an unlikely mom to six boys because I think when somebody sees that you're a mom to six, they, they think she's so good at this. She must yes. have done VBS all her life. She must have signed up to nanny children. I mean, the truth is I didn't even know how to change a diaper when we, as a married couple, first, you know, volunteered to help babysit for our friends. I mean, Troy was the one that was like, I literally held a baby and would be like, what do you do with this? You know, I mean, I, I had zero experience. I didn't like children. I think there, there's a lot of noise coming out of their mouths, a lot of sounds and smells that I don't like, you know, all the things that I find irritating about puppies or dogs. Sometimes I'm like, that's basically like children for the the entirety of your existence. So I'm an unlikely mom. And I had all these aspirations Mm -hmm. that, that probably, yes, did not look like sweeping up Cheerios that get crushed mm-hmm. under your feet or picking mm-hmm. up Legos or wiping up that sticky thing. I mean, the other day I sat down to do something and my arm just stuck to the table and I <laughs> immediately was like, why does no one wipe the table around here? You know, that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> so with that all said, I, I think I just want to say, God, you know, I, I credit Spurgeon with saying this, but I don't know if he actually said this. I've always credited him because I read right. it somewhere. But God's enabling, God's callings are his enablings. I always stop and mm, say, okay, it, it doesn't mean that you have to be good at something for God to mm-hmm. use it to produce what he wants to produce in your life. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I don't think I had to be an aspiring, I will change the world through motherhood kind of person, or I can't wait to start a blog about motherhood. I've never wanted to do that. I haven't written a book about motherhood. When we wrote Foundations, it was really just to help parents start the discipleship conversation because we were already doing it and nobody was really putting out material that could help with that. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally, right here, this podcast, this is where my heartbeat is. I'm like all about women and work and how do we use our giftings. And quite frankly, I'm not afraid about talking about money and success and all those things. But at the same time, I, because I think as believers, we're so quick to be like, I don't want to talk about that, you know, and, and we really forget that we can honor the Lord with a 30% increase in our business. You know, like we can absolutely honor the Lord when we set goals for our business, all that. I love it. But, But my point is just that even in motherhood, I had to teach myself that, you know, one of the things that I had to learn is that unlike 
running a business, I can't just set my goals and strategize my way and hire enough people to ensure success. Now, quite frankly, you can't Mm -hmm. do that in business either. God Mm -hmm. is so in control of everything that we do. We're not actually that, we're not that influential and that heroic here, right? Mm -hmm. But motherhood is really one of those things where I was like, I can't treat these kids as a project. Hmm. I mean, in the same way that God is literally sanctifying and changing me, this whole thing of having little people in my house that make messes, that don't respond the way I want them to, even though I've literally done the whole conversation that should have resulted in a tender heart, (laughs) you know, like after all that, you realize, oh, it humbles me. It lays me low. It causes me to say, I don't get to control this. And if I don't completely surrender over and over again, um, I'll be super discouraged in this. And so when you ask that question, Missy, I would just say for all the ladies out there who may or may not be moms, but wonder, won't I be the worst mom in the world? Or maybe you're a mom and you're like, I'm, maybe I'd be the worst homeschooler in the world. Mm. I would just say in different seasons, God calls us to different things. And sometimes he calls you to something that you think you stink at, that you're just mm. really wow. not good at that's and really that you feel weak in. That's right. And that's okay. Lean into that. Because we trust that when the Apostle Paul says, <laughs> that, that God says, my, my, my grace is sufficient for you, that yes. in weakness we see his strength, mm. that's really what I cling to day by day is, what if I nailed it and all these other things in, in life and I was tempted to believe that I'm so great that I don't, I'm so amazing that I don't need amazing grace. That's well, right. he saved me from that because he's given Wonderful. me plenty of things to be weak in. <laughs> That's right. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Well, we're going to shift the conversation to more um, of your art. And so I love when you say that your artwork adorns the gospel. I think the word adorn is just so beautiful. I want you to talk about that. What do you mean by that? And um, I'm just curious if there are certain scripture passages that you think of that come to mind um, with what you're trying to do when you say that your artwork adorns the gospel. Well, you know, the the gospel, truly, the word of God is already 100% complete and beautiful. I don't have to add anything to it. I think the only thing that I really mean when I say adorn the gospel is is kind of in the same way that music causes you to pause Mm. and think differently about the words that you hear and that a certain melody line could cause you to feel something about, you know, even when you stand and see... um, you're standing at the top of a mountain and you see the grandeur and the beauty of God's creation. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes if you've got a playlist going and you're on a hike, that will lodge that memory and the greatness of God in a way that's different had you not been listening to these amazing lyrics or this beautiful melody line. And so when I think about my work, I don't think there's anything, it's not that I feel like I'm the best painter or that I illustrate something perfectly or that I'm not even literally trying to illustrate the verse. It's more that, if anything, I just think that we miss so much of God's creation and we miss so much Mm -hmm. of the beauty that he's already provided for us to put his glory on display. And if I can, I just try to use the mediums and the giftings that I have to cause us to look and stop and look a little more closely. So if that means that I cause a bloom to be a little bit more vibrant, in your everyday life because you haven't taken the time to bend down and see what's growing right in your little garden Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, even blades of grass, right. That we just don't pay attention to, or the birds of the year, like scripture points to so many of, I mean, Matthew five, we're pointing to the birds of the year, the flowers of the field. And why does, why does scripture point out those things? Because we miss it all the time, Mm -hmm. but God's, caring for those very things. And so if there's a goal for my artwork at all, it's a, I would cause the busy, hustling, Mm. everyday woman to stop and say, because this piece or this notebook or this journal or this note card that I purchased from Grace Lace, because it's so beautiful and I want to use this, I can't help but direct my mind's eye and behold the greatness of God and not my circumstances that I would Mm. shift my gaze Mm. from my to-do list, my everyday, like check, 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 and stop and go, Oh, just like that print that you have in your 
office, Courtney, that, that there would be a moment where you would say, I've read this verse, but now that is so beautiful. I can't help but like, look at it again. And so adorning the gospel means that I'm just coming alongside and using my gifts to kind of like, just make it a little bit more accessible. Not because it needs any help, but because in this context, in my right now, in this middle of 2021, can I, um, can I just bring the artwork in a way where Somebody who doesn't usually look and gaze intently at the Word of God might shift her gaze. I just love that so much, Ruth. One of the things that we have find on this campus is that, um, or not just on this campus, but just in for women in academic spaces, is that generally the women who are hyper, uh, super smart, super academically inclined will be the ones who say, but I'm not real creative and I'm not real Uh into the art. And then the ones who are, we tend to look at the ones who are very creative as they're super girly, so they can't be academic. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like beauty is reduced to one sphere. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And then academics and theology are overlooked or or reduced to another sphere. And I feel like that's almost like a Christian thing, right? Like, (laughs) Well, and that's been like one of my, it's like literally top on my mission, like my goals is to enter the publishing space, the speaker space, the influencer space and say, you don't have to choose between good theology and beauty. Yes. And that mm-hmm. ultimately when you pick up a devotional book, my prayer is that you would turn to the word of God and not just sit in the devotion. But if you will read a devotion, it doesn't have to be my little stories with one verse tacked onto it. Yes. It can be deep and rich yes. and pointing back to the true words of the gospel. And so, yeah, that really is a goal of mine that we wouldn't just make good as Christian, like, you know, like, oh, that's pretty good for Christian art. I just want to make good art <laughs> and make yeah. it really good and do good work. I want, I don't want to be a good business for being a Christian business. I just want to be a really smart businesswoman and ultimately be and cause the secular world to even pay attention and notice that it's a sound business. And, oh, wow, she does a lot of faith-based products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's awesome. Sometimes I feel like, Ruth, I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking off what Missy was just saying there. Um, I feel like creativity and beauty, these types of things, you see it so much in the secular world, even with just the the quality of production in movies. Yes. You, you see this... Um, talent over in people who don't even know the Lord. And I think inadvertently they're glorifying God. They don't even know it because God has put those skills within them. But um, I just want to talk for a second about why beauty is so important. Like why do we need as creatures um, made by God and um, as, as, as his, like why is beauty important? Why do we, why do we, why should we linger? Does that make sense? And you might have already answered this yeah. with your well, previous question, but I just feel like, how do you think about it? In, well, I think it's the the quickest way to that, because, you know, this could be the, the philosophical question that takes us the next hour, sure. but ultimately <laughs> we're image bearers. Yes. We're, uh, two things that make me think we're image bearers. We're created to reflect him. Yes. And then secondly, God could have made everything bland and he didn't. That's right. I mean, I mean, he made so many flavors. Wow. I yes. I mean, I think about how much I love a good green curry or a butter <laughs> chicken, or I mm-hmm. love, you know, um, jerk chicken spices. And then you don't you can't even get me started on Thai, right? In Chinese food. Right. So, so <laughs> he created that much variety. And then I step outside here in Colorado and realize, oh my goodness, there are more colors than I could express through my watercolors. Why did mm. he do that? Why did he create tiny little things that you step right over and you forget to look at? And then glorious, beautiful things like peonies and roses Mm -hmm. that we notice. But if he's in the details and he's so extravagant in the way he wants to like draw our attention with delight and wonder. And I, I wrote about this in Beholding and Becoming, but the reality is he starts every day and ends every day with a, (laughs) with a light show. Right. He starts every day and he begins and ends every day by saying, look over here, I'm God and you're not. (laughs) And so when he does that, I can't help but say, well, we don't look outside and go, I guess that's okay. That that's bright flaming orange sunset. It's all right. (laughs) And you know, we go outside and we're like, Hey guys, you just check out the sunset tonight. And it's always amazing. Right. It's more than we could create. It's more than we accomplish in a day's time. It's astounding. So Mm -hmm. beauty 
is not something we're trying to muster up and create and say, well, ladies, we should focus on the beauty. No, it, God's already done it. Yeah. We're just created to notice and to thrive when we reflect him. And then we ultimately step into like sanctification is restoring us back to our full purpose. And so as we're sanctified, we are capable of enjoying him more. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and beauty is really just an opportunity to enjoy him. And Mm-hmm. And to your point, and I won't belabor this too long, but when you mentioned, you know, that in the secular world, there's so much talent and, and there's so much production and maybe they invest so much more money into mm-hmm. creating really quality products. I, I would just love to s- cause us to think and say, okay, you know, and this connects a little bit with this topic of striving in my new book, but I think sometimes as believers, we forget that if the world strives to find self-worth and accolades and achievement. We don't, we don't just not strive. We strive because grace fuels us towards excellence. Mm, We strive in grace. And so as, as Mm. business owners and women who are trying to make their work count, I would just say whatever, whoever's listening, whatever work you're in, if you work at the doctor's office, or if you are starting a business, if you have a nonprofit, or if you are training up your children and you are like dedicated to doing this homeschool thing in your community, whatever it is that you're doing, um, not striving doesn't mean that you lower your standards and say, eh, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. It's that you get clear in your mind that God deserves all the praise, right. all the glory. And because he saved you and rescued you, your one tiny little piddly life gets to totally proclaim him and be as excellent as humanly possible for the life, for the time you are on earth. So that should cause us to do everything even better than those right. without hope. Right. That is incredible. Right. It's obvious to me what your inspiration is with your artwork. <laughs> it's obvious <laughs> to me who your inspiration is. It's obvious to us who you, who inspires your artwork. So based on knowing that you're inspired by all the beauty that our incredible God has put all around us, what are some of your favorite mediums that you work through? And when you, like when you, you've said, kind of said this, but when, a, when you've worked through your favorite medium and you've created this thing and then you put it in, some, see it in someone else's hands, um, what is the thing you want people to walk away with? Like, this is my thing. I've created this. And now I want you to know this about God Mm. or just know this in general. Okay. So to answer your first question, I'd say I, I love a lot of mediums, but sometimes Mm -hmm. certain mediums find me in a certain season. So right now my medium is watercolor because Mm -hmm. it cleans up easily. It's not super expensive. I don't have to have a lot of extra stuff to help me because yes. doing oils takes up more space. It's, it's takes longer to dry. It's more, it's more difficult to reproduce. So in this season of what I create in terms of publish, pu- uh, publishing and creating grace lace products, watercolor is that medium. And also I love the medium because um, in case I'll, I'll nerd out real quick with, with art, but with oils and acrylics, you can constantly paint over something. Okay. You could, you could, foster that perfectionist in you, you could be like, Mm. well, I'm just going to never put it down until I get it better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And for those recovering strivers and perfectionists here, watercolor is an amazing way to be like, and it's done. I can't do any more to it. (laughs) I mean, we can start over, but really like, and we're done now. Like that, that, that mark is there. I can't really go over it 10 times. So it is what it is. The water moves. I can't control everything. And it is what it is. And it's beautiful that way. So that's been a real gift to me in this season to say, yeah, I could do oils, but really I'm going to do things in a different way. And I'm going to learn to embrace um, the imperfection and the limitations that I have. And then to your second question, I would just say, you know, I, 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 I'm going to try to say this without sounding um, cliche and maybe a little too like, spiritual about it. (laughs) I really don't want people to remember me. I I really, I, I, I hesitate to say that because that sounds like I'm so godly for saying that, but I think there's a lot of pressure as a creator. Hmm. If what you really want people to remember is that Ruth is so talented. Ruth is so Mm. great. What's Ruth going to come up with next? I actually, for two reasons, I don't want you to remember me because number one, 
I don't want the pressure of being your hero right. and being somebody really special or being your icon of an artist or for you to feel like that's that the way I paint is the only way you should paint and that you want to emulate that. I don't want that pressure. And number two, because I just think in this day and age, whenever you're well received, the, um, the temptation is to ultimately miss your entire calling because you start obsessing about yourself. And right. um, I just... I just don't want to be taken out of the game. Yeah. You know, I just oh, don't really yes. want to not have grace lace 10 years mm. from now. And if the Lord sure shuts was. it down, he does, but I just don't want to be taken out mm-hmm. as an author or an entrepreneur because it's become about me. And so I, I just really hope that when you got, when anyone gets a print, I mean, in some ways, yeah, I hope people remember it's grace lace so that maybe we can keep them more. as customers, you know, yeah. like I, I hope I don't lose you as a customer, but at the <laughs> yes. same time, I pray and hope that when somebody looks at that, my ultimate goal is that somebody who's not cracked open their Bibles mm-hmm. might go, well, why, why is that verse even in there? Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that this was in there and that they might go to that and read the whole chapter, read the whole section, or maybe read the Bible from cover to cover and realize the love story that they never understood before. Ruth, it's so beautiful what you're saying, because I mean, our whole goal with women in work is that women would take the the skills and the talents that God has given them and just point straight back to Him. And everything you have just said is everything that we want women to do. And <laughs> if they're an artist or no matter what work God has called them to. And so you have just explained that so beautifully. And um, thank you for that. And we just love your heart behind it. So Ruth, when I met you, I met Ruth at uh, the Gospel Coalition's Women's Conference um, this past year. And when we started talking about women in work, it surprised me. I thought you were going to be very um, excited. I mean, you were to talk about art, but I was surprised by the fact that how much you really got excited about the business side of what you do. I mean, that wasn't part of your bio is that you call yourself an entrepreneur. And so I'm just wondering, what is it that, that what do you love about business? What What is it that excites you about it? How much time do we really have? <laughs> you know, you know, um, Honestly, I think I was raised in a generation where I think Christians downplayed like trying to create something that would go far, go the distance. And then now we live in a time where we actually kind of are counting the cost of celebrity culture and building platforms. And so so there's a so so take what I'm about to say sure. with some balance here and recognize that there's a sinful way to do this and there's a mm-hmm. God way godly way to do this. And just because I love building a business doesn't mean that every form of doing that is always appropriate or God honoring. Mm -hmm. But I think about it in the form of stewardship. I feel like not everyone has a mind that's been wired to think about marketing and think about um, growth. Not everyone wakes up thinking about a new business idea. Mm -hmm. I just happen to do that. Like, I mean, right now you don't see me starting a whole bunch of new stuff because I still have an eight-year-old at home. I still have six Mm -hmm. kids who homeschool from this house, you know, Mm -hmm. but I wake up every day with a new angle on a new thing or a Mm -hmm. new stream of revenue because I, my brain's wired that way. I'm somebody who wakes up thinking marketing, not because I want to make a sale because I am wired to think, where's that person at and how do I serve that person? Mm -hmm. And if I serve that person we will funnel the right customers to us, right? Mm, right. And so that's the way I think all the time. I didn't take a webinar. I didn't go to a (laughs) masterclass on business. I just, my my brain's wired that way. And when I was selling clothes, I was wired that way too because I wasn't trying to make somebody overspend. I was just thinking, how do I serve you best so that your trip here will like actually count and your wardrobe will matter, you know? And Mm so, so fundamentally, I mean- I guess the quickest way to answer that question is to say, I have a passion for seeing women not be intimidated by the idea that their giftings can be strategized and stewarded in a way that can not only um, not take up all their time and run them ragged, but they could be used wisely and efficiently. They can say no to certain things, say yes to other things. And then fundamentally, when that's stewarded well, can have an ROI that ultimately causes them to be able to do more of that. I love it. So why are we afraid of making money, right? I mean, being profitable is a way of stewardship so that you can be 
more profitable with your your giftings, your time, your ministries. And so at Grace Lace, we're 100% not afraid of talking about some goals we want to meet financially, not just to make payroll, but so that we can do even a better job at right. serving others. And yeah. so I just would love to normalize that in in Christian women's culture, mm-hmm. but not to normalize it to the extent where not to not to join in the conversation of saying, your dreams are the most important and you should attack your dreams at all costs. And that's not the, you know, the the conversation could go that direction too. And I just mean, let's steward when the Lord tells us it is, it is something he blesses, you know? Sure. So this is beautiful for me to hear. um, And I'm sure it's going to bless a lot of people because prior to working at here at Southeastern, um, I had a business where I was a uh, custom cake decorator. So, but where I, I come from a space where when someone wanted a custom cake, what they wanted was a shoe and a bag that matches the shoe and a bag that they had in their home. So you create a cake to match that thing. And it was just so much fun to use that creativity to take eggs and flour and sugar and step out and you have this designer bag. But the part that always tripped me up was talking money. Mm-hmm. I knew, like you, Ruth, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm always thinking of something. And I knew in this particular market, I can charge $1,000 for this cake. In this particular market, I can charge $500 in this cake. In the market I'm in, I can charge $800 for this cake. Oh, but I'm a Christian and I'm a woman and I'm at home. So I should probably only charge $200 for this cake. You know what I'm saying? And I I struggled with having those conversations because it almost felt like if you say my work is worth a thousand dollars, then it must be not because you're motivated to build a great business, but because you're falling into the love of money trap. And so that was my biggest challenge. What are some of the challenges that women will have in business and that you've even seen um, when you have to think through, I have to do this and be a Christian? Hmm. Well, that's, I love that you told that story. I mean, I think in any creative life you start, I mean, I gave away a lot of work. I probably did a lot of commissions for free or for very, very um, low cost at when I was first starting out. But as you build, but as you build, it's really not just putting a value. I think we get tripped up on like, am I thinking too highly of myself if I put my put a value on my giftings? Am I saying I'm the best artist in the world? Or am I saying Mm -hmm. my cake is better than anyone else's? That's not actually what that monetary value is. It's really looking at the whole picture of what is something I can do that nobody else can do? I can bring the vision. I can bring the creativity. And it's going to be different than somebody else's. And in order for me to do that, I can't do these other things in my life. And in order for me to do this well, I'm going to give you this kind of attention in this kind of space. And that's worth something. So it's more than just, is the product good or is it better than somebody else's? We, we do the comparison game so much. Yes. But I think if we were as entrepreneurs or creatives or anyone who's trying to put a price tag on our work, if we just stop looking at everybody else and just say, how what is it that I can rightly... You, you do look around to make sure that you're being competitive. I mean, I right, do think sure. that, that matters. Right. I think if we stop, start by saying, how do I steward well what he's given me to do so that I'm not um, pulling out all these ingredients and making a cake and then finally f- finding out that I just spent four hours and I actually, it's poor stewardship when I, when all is said and done, really make about $25 for right. this whole endeavor. Right. That's not good stewardship sure. because really then you've actually wasted that. Like think about the parable of the talents, right? You've actually Mm -hmm. wasted the opportunity God's given you. So if we stop, rather than think about like, how much money can I make? How profitable can I be? Am I doing better than somebody else? Or am I better than someone else? Just start with your stewardship. Mm -hmm. What's God given you to do? What do you have to say no to? What do you, what do you want to say yes to? Has he given you freedom in that? Are you obedient in what's on your own plate? And then put the value on what it takes for you to do those things with a happy heart, mm-hmm. with good stewardship, and managing your life opportunities appropriately. Yeah, that helps. It's very yes. helpful. Um, well, we talked about how, as an artist, and how art really points back and reflects who God is, the fact that He's a creator, and into those details that how beauty really reflects him. 
But for those women out there who are not artists, but they are in business, you know, are there maybe even just some, one of my big goals with women in work is for them to, is is, is she's sitting at her office, you know, um, to think, wait a minute, here I am looking at the spreadsheet. Here I am, you know, coming up with these goals. Um, But what does this have to do with God? Are there just mm-hmm. some quick, maybe bullet points you might give to a businesswoman in particular to say, wow, in this very moment, here are some ways that I can actually glorify God in business. And I know one of them might be the stewardship that you talked about, but um, just some, you know, just those, you know, you're, you're, you're renewing your mind right there at work, you yeah. know? Um, I don't know. Is, is, yeah. What do you think? Well, I, I may not deliver bullet points okay. as well as, as quickly as you <laughs> sure. would like at the moment, That's but okay. I'll just say the big picture is that I think every believer, our ability to see God at work in our everyday lives, yeah. in our everyday work, will increase as our understanding and our grasp and our awe of the attributes of God mm, increases. Thank you. Yes, so the more you recognize him as mysterious and mathematical, the more your spreadsheets become kind of like, wow, I can't believe I get to think like this. And and he's the one who created these systems, ultimately not man-made systems, but the ability to think like this, yes, right? right? When you're teaching math math problems to your homeschooler, when you are hosting a meeting, when you are running a marketing meeting, and um, I, I find myself every time I'm in a boardroom and I'm like leading out in some huge production meeting and I'm, and I'm coming up with these ideas and I'm off I'm not sitting there going, wow, God's, you know, omnipotence. You know, I'm not like thinking that, but sure. what drives me yeah. is when I realize, wow, I did not just come up with this, that God created me this way. And I've been meditating on that prior to showing up in this meeting. Yes. I've been thinking about God's greatness so that when I'm in that moment, I immediately go, the fact that I can even think creatively yeah. and that we have these opportunities that we can like make this one little shift and suddenly it becomes so much more interesting. Sure. Those are all things that happen when you realize God's actually that nuanced too. Right. And so I find that the greater he is, the more you, the, the greater he is in your view of him. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when A.W. Tozer says that like the most important thing about you is what you think about God, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like really your everyday mm-hmm. life and how you apply your walk as you go, do your, you know, data analysis as you go to your meeting, as you go and work as an assistant to a CEO, that will be informed by whether or not how you think about your purpose in life, who God is, how he's at work. And that starts with his attributes. But then just on a quick, really practical level, I would just say whether you're an artist or not, whether you are attuned to beauty or not, whether you get up in the morning and you coordinate your outfits or you're just like throw on black and white, everything. (laughs) Because it's not just about somebody who's creative and artistic. I know I am. But whoever you are, everyone benefits from stepping away from their phones and their laptops and their spreadsheets and their Asana and their Slack and their Mm -hmm. Monday, whatever app you use to get you further ahead, Hootsuite, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. everyone benefits from stepping away from that and being more in awe of God than with themselves and their team. If I sit there and look all day at my Slack and go, wow, that spreadsheet is amazing. Oh my gosh, how productive are we? I will start thinking that we're, me and my team are in charge of everything. That's right. But if I step away and close down everything and go outside and take a walk and talk to the Lord about the things that are overwhelming to me, I suddenly realize everything is by him, through him, (laughs) from him, and to him. And that ultimately, like, I can return back to work and be kind of more reset preaching truth to myself that he's the boss and I'm not. That's right. Yeah. That that verse is actually one of my all-time favorites, Romans eleven thirty six. Yep. From him and through yeah. him and to him it's, are all, all things. Thing yeah. All things. Art, business, yeah. all things. And yeah. thank you so much uh, for oh, answering that question. I hate that we have to even close. Like, I hate that this has to come to an end. Um, I felt like I've, Courtney, did we like just meet our soulmate? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, so if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, one encouragement, um, both to women who are artists, but to women in general um, who want to honor God through their vocational calling, what would that piece of advice be? I think the biggest thing that's made a difference in my life 
is to truly be faithful with what what you've been given today. I know Mm -hmm. that sounds a little bit cliche, but Mm -hmm. the truth is you have no idea how God's going to use your faithfulness in that spreadsheet today, with that one meeting today, with that one confrontational conversation that you have to deal with today, Mm. with that, whatever it is, God will use that. And you have no idea if two years from now, he will put you in a position. He will, just like Joseph, right? Just like Joseph, the story of Joseph. You have no idea if he's going to use that at some point and give you position before kings, Mm -hmm. give you another opportunity, ask you to start something, give you and cause you to publish books, start a business, whatever. The years that I was privately behind closed doors, never on social media, trying to learn how to be faithful and preaching the gospel and the gospel of grace to my children. Everybody who is reading my books now are, they're benefiting from those Mm -hmm. years of hiddenness. Yeah. You have no idea that the books that you're reading from me now were fleshed out when nobody on Instagram saw anything that I did. So whatever your aspirations are, wherever you want to go, whatever CEO you want to become, however successful you want to be, those are all great things. But start right now with what God's been giving you today, like with what skills you have right now. Don't wait for when you have more skills, more training, a higher position. Start right now because your faithfulness right now literally could be the direct thing that he uses in days to come. And you have no idea what that will be. It's just so wise. So good. Mike drop. (laughs) Um, And you know what, Ruth, it's beautiful is that that's exactly what was modeled by Jesus. We see Jesus to a point, we see silence, and then we see Jesus using whatever was being built in those years for ministry. So that's perfect. So true. So true. I'm glad you brought that up, Missy. Well, we are just so incredibly grateful for you coming on. I know our listeners are going to be so encouraged by this. And um, I want to let them know that the link to your new book, When Striving Cease, is right down in the show notes. And so we want to make sure that they grab that book. It comes out October 21st, you said, right? 12th. 12th. October 12th. Okay. Yeah. Got to mix that there. Um, but is it Grace Laced? The It's Grace-laced.com. so beautiful things to purchase there. It's very well worth your time. And That's right. Thank well, thank you so, you so much. much, Ruth. And thanks so much to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will also be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, take a look at the Women in Work podcast discussion questions. We provided those so that you can lead your friends from work, your neighborhood, or your church into useful conversations that will encourage you as you take your next step of faith into your calling. If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to miss an episode, please subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love for you to take a minute to rate and review our show so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.